I want to take a few moments this morning and talk about becoming a new creation in Messiah. When the Jerusalem temple system of sacrifice came to an end, it was time for something new. The Messianic Jews who were disciples of Yeshua had a fresh perspective on what that new thing would be because Yeshua had prepared them and had told them that he would die and he would rise from the dead and he would be doing something that would provide atonement for all of Israel, for all of us who would turn to him and turn our hearts to him, and that the time of the temple system would be coming to an end. So they understood that just in time, Yeshua had given his life as an atoning sacrifice for all of Israel and for everyone who would believe in him and put their trust in him, and that his death, burial, and resurrection, and then his return to heaven would have impact not just on those in that generation, but on all generations to come who would put their trust in him. And they began to be clear that Yeshua's death provided the blood sacrifice that the Jewish scriptures had taught was required for atonement. In fact, all Judaism had understood up to that point that atonement required a blood sacrifice. And during the time of the Jerusalem temple, many sacrifices were offered in order to make atonement for the high priest and for his family, for all of Israel, for the sins of all the people. And no one was exempt. Everyone, even the high priest, was considered deficient and needing atonement was the only solution, and the atonement came through blood. And that was part of the Jewish way during that, the time that the temple was standing. But when Yeshua provided his sacrifice, it was a perfect sacrifice. And it was just in time because the time of the temple was coming to an end. And it would be destroyed. And all of Judaism would have to wreck, would have to deal with the fact that the, the priesthood would no longer be functioning as it had and the system of sacrifice in the temple would no longer be functioning. And everyone would have to decide for themselves and to understand what should we do in this situation. Now for the Messianic Jews, it began to be clearer and clearer what Yeshua had done and more understanding developed time by time among the Messianic Jewish people. But it became clear that Yeshua's sacrifice had impact far beyond what the people had originally thought, and that it even impacted people who weren't Jewish, but who were turning to the God of Israel. So what Yeshua did was extending the covenant of God in such a way that people who were not part of a Jewish family from nations all over the world would be able to be united with the God of Israel and the people of Israel. It was a beautiful thing that he was doing. And as the 
Messianic Jews dealt with that and faced that and began to understand it, it, it caused our people to understand that we needed to love each other and we needed to love those who God was joining to us. It, it helped us learn something about the way God loves, that he has such great love that it reaches beyond the boundaries and the borders that we typically think of for ourselves. It's much easier to love people who love you. Isn't that true? It's much easier to love people who share the same theological and spiritual understandings that you have. Isn't that true? But I, I can tell you for a fact that God has used some people who were, who were at the time, how can I put this? They were replacement theology people. They thought God was finished with the Jewish people and with Israel, and that all people who came to the Messiah needed to put off their, their culture and their heritage, and especially Jews. They thought Jews especially needed to stop being Jewish. And God used some of those people to really bless me and Sandy and used a number of them with spiritual gifts to prophesy over us and speak about things that, that actually were powerful. And I remember talking to, to one of those guys some years later, and I, I told him, God really used you in a strong way, even when you saw nothing about the Jewish people. And this, this one pastor said to me, you know, I changed my perspective a bit on that. I began to see some things. God is using the Jewish people. But I want to tell you, it's easier to have fellowship with people who already agree with you or think the way you do, even if the way you think is wrong. It's easier to do that than it is to have fellowship with people who are different. And yet through Messiah through his death, burial, and resurrection, our hearts can open up and become larger, and we can love more kinds of people in more situations. And how is it possible that the heart can be open like this? It's because Yeshua makes us into new creations. We don't just have a sacrifice, we have a way of participating in resurrection life. We have a way also of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us and empowers us to become more and more like God. So when we turn to the Lord and we trust in Yeshua the Messiah, we become new creations and because we become new creations, everything begins to look a little different and hopefully fresher to us. And I'll tell you why. It's because we're seeing with new eyes and we're thinking with new minds and we're feeling with new hearts and we're listening with new ears. And I can compare it to something. I remember when I was 10 years old and my parents told me that I needed to get glasses. And I didn't like that idea. I didn't want to wear glasses. But 
I understood, and I got the glasses, and I remember coming to class with the glasses on, and I thought everyone's going to be looking at me, they're all going to be joking about me and making comments. Does, did anybody else have this experience as a kid? You know, you felt awkward when you had to wear glasses. And so I was expecting that. And that didn't really happen. But what did happen is, for the first time, I could actually read what was on the blackboard. <laughs> and I could see differently. And not only that, I could read better what was in the books. I had nearsightedness, so I could read books okay, but I couldn't see from a distance. And I needed the glasses to see better. Some of, some of you have had cataract surgery recently, and you can see better. When I had cataract surgery, the thing that I recognized was everything had looked kind of beige or yellow. There was a tint to everything, and I hadn't seen white as white in a long time. And when I had that surgery and I was looking at white, I thought, oh, I forgot that's what white looks like. White had become a soft yellow or beige to me. Some people who get a hearing aid, whether they're young or old, they get a hearing aid, and all of a sudden they're aware of things. They can hear things more clearly. In the spirit, something like this happens when we're transformed, when we're made a new creation. We get spiritual eyes that can see differently. We have spiritual ears that can hear differently. It changes how we perceive. It changes as well how we understand. And all of that is meant to affect our priorities, our values, and our actions. It changes what's important to us. It changes what we want to spend our lives on. Isaiah 58 speaks about that, and it's, it's read in synagogues all over the world on Yom Kippur because it speaks of something that it's possible to go through the motions of fasting and participating in Yom Kippur but miss the heart of Yom Kippur. And the heart is called to be enlarged and we're called to to really take note of God's love for the needy and his desire to use us. It changes what we value when we start valuing what God values. Turning to the Lord and trusting God and becoming faithful to him, this is really the heart of faith. Turning to the Lord is also the heart of teshuvah, of repentance. The Shabbat that we just celebrated between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is called Shabbat Shuva, the Shabbat of turning to the Lord. And now we're at Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and each Yom Kippur is an opportunity for us to experience the grace 
of the Lord and the forgiveness of the Lord and the goodness of the Lord. And it's time as well to recognize our own condition and to recognize that we ourselves are sinners and accept the fact that we ourselves need atonement for our sins. But we also have to come to grips with something. We have to come to terms with a quite difficult reality and fact. We need an atoning sacrifice that is beyond what we can provide. For many people, Yom Kippur is never fully experienced, even if it's observed. People can go through the motions. We can convince ourselves that if we just say a few prayers, if we just attend some services, that'll take care of everything for another year. It's like getting a once a year tune-up, something like that, but it's not fully experienced as a true day of atonement. People can experience Yom Kippur as the day of self-justification. We can convince ourselves that we're not really so bad. And we may figure, you know what? All I need is a, a fast, a little bit of prayers, I'm fine. But it's only when we honestly face the fact that we cannot fully atone for ourselves, we cannot save ourselves, it's only then that we can realize that we need the mercy of God, and we need, we need a better atoning sacrifice. And if we're honest about what the Jewish scriptures teach, and we look and we see, we don't have a blood sacrifice according to the Jerusalem temple. What do we have? Only then can we come to terms with the fact that we need a good sacrifice. Moses warned all of Israel about being in the condition of self-justification. These are the words of Moses in Deuteronomy 29, 19. Those who hear the warnings of this curse should not congratulate themselves, thinking, I'm safe even though I'm following the desires of my own stubborn heart. This, Moses says, would lead to utter ruin. In fact, we need a change of heart, and we need a changed heart. That's what we're coming to terms with. Moses put it this way. It's in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. And so we need new hearts. That's what Moses was teaching Israel. We will need new hearts. And when we're wanting to love him, we'll, we'll face the reality that there are things that hinder us. We need new hearts. We need new eyes. We need new ears. We need to become a new creation. Have you ever had a car that's just, just old enough that you want to keep it, but you have to wonder, is it really worth the next repair. Have you ever had a car that you, you love so much, you poured money into it, but you knew it didn't quite make sense? Anybody driving one of those? 
or you've had one of those, and, and you know that because you want that car to keep going yet a little bit longer, you're going to have to do the repairs. You're going to have to make the repairs. And that can keep you for a long time. And it can be surprising how long a car can work. But there, there often comes a time when you, you say, you know what? It's done. This car is kaput. And you stop trying to work on it. And what do you need? You need a new car. Well, the same is true in spiritual life. There's a time when we just try to cope and we, we try to put a little bit more into who we are and what we are. We try to learn a technique. We try to improve ourselves. I think most people go through this in life. And we try to make ourselves just enough better that we don't feel guilty. Just enough better that some of the things that have really been bothering us, we take care of. I don't think on the public record I want to tell you all the things I did at this moment. <laughs> but I can tell you there were many things that, that I recognized, I better stop doing this. It's not good for me, it's not good for those I love, and it can get me in a lot of trouble. And I did, and this was part of my turning to the Lord. But in trying to make myself better, I came to this hard reality, I can't make myself good enough. And that's when we're really coming to terms with what Moses is talking about. And he's saying, you can't just fix yourself enough you can't just atone for yourself enough. We're going to need something more. The prophets of Israel were pretty strong in the way they put it. Jeremiah said these words, Hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but don't see, who have ears but don't hear. Ezekiel put it this way, Son of man, you're living in a rebellious house. They have eyes to see, but do not see, ears to hear, but do not hear, because they're a rebellious house. So to become a new creation requires atonement and transformation. And on Yom Kippur, the entire Jewish world is acknowledging that we are sinners. This is the one time of the year when Jewish people are comfortable saying, we're sinners. The rest of the year, Jewish people leave it to evangelicals, to Catholics, to say they're sinners. But Messianic Jews are not like that. We, we want to tell you how to make atonement that really works. On Yom Kippur, this morning, in synagogues all over the world, there are prayers of confession of sin and acknowledgement we sin before God. And there is, on this day, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And biblically, Yom HaKippurim, the Day of Atonements, because multiple atonements were made. But on this day, there is this acknowledgement we need atonement, but it's only in a Messianic synagogue that we'll say how to make atonement that really works. 
And that's because Yeshua is the atoning sacrifice. And his atonement is central to Yom Kippur. In 1 John 5, verse 1, we read, everyone who believes that Yeshua is the Messiah is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. And it's through Yeshua that the prophetic word of Ezekiel is accomplished. Ezekiel 36, 26. The Lord says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So here's the truth. Yeshua's sacrifice is the sacrifice that atones for our sins and not only does it atone for our sins, it also makes provision for us to become a new creation. A new man, a new woman, a new creation. A different person, a different kind of person. We're able to live in a different way. And we're different from the inside out. Not only does the sacrifice of the Lord provide the means by which we become a new creation, but also the means by which the Spirit of God begins to live in us and guide us and empower us and teach us to live new lives. And Yeshua's sacrifice as well provides the means by which we welcome and others into the family of God, and we are welcomed into a new family, the Mishpach excuse me, the mishpacha of God, the community of faith, the body of Messiah, where each person has a meaningful and a useful part and a role and a function con to contribute to the good of the whole. Becoming a new creation, Yeshua said, is being born from heaven. And it's transformative. It, it changes us from the inside out. We're not just coping we're being transformed. And the only way, the only way, Yeshua said, to get, to get this kind of transformation is to face everything I've been talking about and to come to terms with it. Repentance is turning to God, redirecting our lives towards Him, and doing whatever is necessary on His terms. We live for God with all of our being. That's what repentance is. A new creation is what the Lord is offering to us. This is the solution. Now, some people like the idea that they can raise a hand or they can come forward somewhere, or they can make a statement, yes, I believe in Yeshua or I believe in the Messiah. And that's all that matters because they did it at that moment. But I want to tell you, that's not all that matters. Because we're called to live for him. And everyone who is living for him goes through a process, a short process or a long process, where we turn to him and we become decisive in it. And we become wholehearted. And we recognize that Yeshua really has given his life for us, and with gratitude, 
we give our lives to him. And that's why his resurrection is meaningful to us. It's a promise of resurrection life, and it means that you and I, who put our trust in the Lord and live for God, can live with the power of resurrection and the transforming power that all the prophets of Israel and the teachers of Israel knew that Israel needed can become ours. 1 Peter 1.3 All praise to God, the Father of our Lord, Yeshua HaMashiach, it is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Yeshua the Messiah from the dead. Born yet again because of the resurrection of Messiah, because of what God has done and for what he will do. And so let me say this, what could be better what could be better than Yom Kippur? To be the best day to start a new life with Yeshua, your Messiah, your Savior, your kinsman, Redeemer, your Lord. This is a time when hearts are tender and open to the Lord. And I want to invite you, whether you're here in the synagogue or you're watching on YouTube or on Facebook or you're listening later, on the podcast, I want to invite you to be decisive. If you have been exploring and moving in the direction of Yeshua, today's a good day to be decisive. It's Yom Kippur. It's not a time to fool around. It's a time to be clear with yourself and clear with the Lord. How do you do that? One really simple way is to Tell the Lord yourself and to say, Lord, I'm serious. I, I, I want to live for you. I'm serious, Lord. I can't atone for my sins. I understand that I can't make the atonement necessary, and you've done it for me. And on this Yom Kippur, I want to come to terms with that. Thank you, Lord, that you atone for my sins. And thank you for Yeshua who died for me and bore all the penalty that I should have to pay. Thank you that he became the perfect sacrifice for me. So I have an atoning sacrifice, but you provided it. Thank you, Lord, for loving me when I was so far away from you. And you can say in your heart, Lord, I want to live for you. But I want to be a new creation. I don't want to just be the old me trying to live for you. I want to be the new me in Messiah. And so I'm asking for resurrection life. When those are the things that are stirring in you, you just say them to the Lord. You say them out loud on your terms and your way. You speak to him and you say it with your own mouth so that at least... At some point today, you can hear yourself say to the Lord, I believe Yeshua is Adonai and that he rose from the dead. And I want to live for you. 
when you make it clear like that, that's a step to take. And living for God is possible. Thank you, Lord, that you make it possible for us to turn to you and that you do for us what we can't do for ourselves. But we do turn to you, and we thank you that your grace and your mercy makes it possible in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Would you please rise? We're going to pray to very wonderful prayers. The first is Avinu Malkenu. The second is Zachrenu. And would you join me in the English for Avinu Malkenu? Our Father, our King, be merciful and answer us, though we have no worthy deeds. Treat us charitably with loving kindness, for you have saved us. with all the Jewish people. Remember us unto life, O King who delights in life, and inscribe us into the book of life for your sake, O God of life. We pray this, and we also pray as disciples of Yeshua, thank you that you have inscribed us in the book of life. Zachrinu l'chaim melech ha'fet b'chaim v'chadreinu b'sefer ha'chaim l'man ha'elohim l'man ha'elohim l'man ha'elohim 
rejoice in the fact that evil spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So that raises the question, where? Where in heaven? And it's in the book of life. Hasefer HaChaim. Revelation 3, verse 5 speaks of it. He who overcomes will be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Thank you, Lord, for the Lamb's book of life. Thank you, Lord, for knowing us by name, calling us by name, and loving us carefully and personally. 
Thank you for writing our names in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. We're going to close this part of our service and then take a break, and then we'll come back in about 15 minutes for the Yiskor service for those that want to participate, remembering loved ones who have passed away. So I want to say to you, Tzomkal, which means an easy fast. It's a traditional greeting in the middle of Yom Kippur, but easy because your hearts are truly turned. Easy because you are really experiencing the grace and the mercy of the Lord. One of my Messianic rabbi friends prefers to pray, may you have a difficult fast as you deal with all your sin. <laughs> but I'm still on this, in the school of Tzomka. So, shalom everybody. And uh, See you in a few moments.